Money makes you think. Hi, I'm your host Aditi Anand, a teenager who frankly has a lot of questions about how finance works. Today, we're going to be talking about student loan debt and why it has everyone worried. Hi everyone, it's Aditi here. We have a special guest today on our episode, Amita Anand. She also happens to be my sister. Hi Amita, could you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm a high school student like yourself. I'm an avid reader, artist, I like playing my guitar, and I'm interested in finance too. I'd like to know why there's so much talk about student loan and debt recently. What exactly is it and why are people so worried about it? Okay, so the way that this episode will be carried out is going to be slightly different. You'll be asking the questions and I'll be answering them. So you can interject at any time and clear your doubt. Does that sound okay with you? Sounds good to me. Federal and private student loan debt are the second highest type of debt that people have in the U.S., just after mortgage debt. At the date of writing, on Wednesday 24th of August 2022, U.S. President Joe Biden said that he would cut $10,000 worth of federal student loan debt as well as $20,000 of debt for Pell Grant recipients. More on this later. This is during the COVID-19 pandemic, a time that probably most of us attributed to having the usual characteristics of recessions that we've gone through. But according to a peer research titled how the pandemic could affect the rise in student debt, we started to notice that current behavior among the youth and their families varied from that of the most recent 2009 financial crisis. You see, traditionally, federal student lending rises at the onset or aftermath of a recession, and we can hypothesize that, that it is because of a surge in enrollment at universities and colleges. But when we dig deeper, we also understand that the type of institutions that students attend play a bigger role in taking out student loans, especially the amount that's taken out. This idea was made evident in 2009 data, when attendance at for-profit institutions, where historically students have borrowed more money with a higher interest, increased. We might deduce that this is because most people thought that paying more for an education might result in them gaining better skills to land jobs in an otherwise uncertain market. They were looking through the long-term lens of future returns. We'll also go over this later. In stark contrast, spring 2021 and preliminary data from fall 2021 present a drop in undergraduate enrollment, and the same case is seen at community colleges, which took the biggest hit. The only kind of enrollment that saw an increase was among graduates, so we can assume that now, undergraduate degree seekers look more closely at the short-term financial burdens that they'll endure taking out student loans. So, as you can see, student debt is an important indicator of the choices of the next generation when it comes to their education. I guess a good place to understand all of this would be to start right at the beginning. Picture the late 11th century. It's one of the last years in what was termed as the Dark Ages, a period of a lack of innovation in technology and science. 
Bavonia University became the first university to offer student loans. St. Friedrichs Trust was the first documented student loan system. Created in 1240 at Oxford University, it involved an actual chest or trunk in which students had to place valuable possessions that ranged all the way from silver spoons to Aristotle's manuscripts. They were taken as collateral, also known as security, which is a valuable item that can be taken by the loan lender if the borrower does not repay the loan according to the agreed terms. The upside of the loan was that it was interest-free. The catch? Well, you know about the collateral. But how long would this system last? Three hundred years to be exact. Eventually, the chess system was deemed unsafe after a robbery, and with the emerging printing press, what were once expensive manuscripts became cheap pieces of paper that everybody could access. Another realization dawned upon bankers. Students would generate future returns, uh, in this case a salary after graduating from university and getting a job. And they found that taking a loan helped them achieve that. So they scrapped the existing model and legalized interest-bearing loans. Now, students joined every other loan borrower in society and started to accumulate debt. Debt. Yup, the same topic that rears its ugly head in every conversation. But I think when we break down what debt actually is, it becomes something more understandable. When you take out a student loan, think of it as a product that you're receiving without paying for it. Essentially, you're buying it on credit. The moment that you take an interest-based loan, you're said to be in debt to your lender, the person who's giving you that loan. Debt is the amount that you're short of paying your loan lender. It is the sum of the money that you borrowed and the interest payment, which you pay for the fact that the lender gives you that money upfront without needing immediate payment. In simple terms, you pay interest for the convenience of having that money. For example, if I take up a student loan of $100 with an interest rate of 5%, by the time I graduate, I would ideally have a student debt of $105 in student loans. That's $100, the amount that I borrowed, and 5% of $100, which is $5. In total, $105. Now, debt ranging from small to big is unavoidable for most of the population. But there is some risk involved, and the risk is greater if you take up a student loan because you're not really sure what your annual income might be after college. Let's go back to where we were to come to the most accessible student loan, Stafford Loans, which started in 1965 and eased the financial burden on students by providing loans that were backed by federal funds and a government guarantee. This meant that if a student defaulted, that is, they stated they cannot afford to pay the loan back, the government would cover it. At that time, they were provided by private lenders such as banks and credit unions, but later on changed so they were directly issued by the Department of Education. Eventually, in 1972, the Pell Grant was created. Unlike a loan, it's a financial aid, a sum of money provided by the U.S. government to students planning to enroll for a bachelor's degree. It was provided to some of the lowest income class families in the country, allowing them to access higher education too. Okay, I think you can stop there. 
I now know why everyone might have been worried about student loan debt before. But how worried exactly are people today? According to a report in 2021, the total number of federal student loan borrowers was 43 million and their total outstanding debt, $1.62 trillion. And statistics show that in 2022, the average high schooler would have to borrow $39,500 for their bachelor's degree. The problem is that college tuition is increasing at a rate that's higher than most people's income. And this issue has been evident for a long time. But what aggravated it was the pandemic, during which the federal loan became even more available and affordable, causing the students who did choose it to go to college and to take more of it, aware that it would take a long time to pay it back given the economic scenario. Student debt, even if it's not yours, impacts everyone. It impacts the economy. The higher the student debt, the more likely that an economy will head into recession, one that's marked by reduced consumer spending and business growth. Between 2019 and 2020, this is exactly what we saw. As U.S. student loan debt increased, GDP decreased. The silver lining is that more people are becoming increasingly aware of how to better manage their student debt. Aside from debt forgiveness on a national scale, individuals can stick to a budget, understand terms of a loan, find a part-time job in college, among many other ways, to hopefully make the student debt burden just a little bit less daunting. And that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you so much, Amita, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It was really fun, and I'll be happy to join another one in the future. Money Makes You Think is all about exploring the common questions about the financial world and is written for teenagers by a teenager. That's me. In the next episode, we'll be looking at the power of inflation. Thanks again for listening. And remember, always stay curious. Bye!